I heard a fantastic story came out of Halloween last weekend. There's a family with a child at home who has cancer, and so the family just realized we can't take the risk of having trick-or-treaters come to our door. They put a sign at the end of their driveway warning the kids who were coming, look, we don't have candy for you this year, but you know, we love your costume. It's just we have a child at home with cancer. Don't make the long walk up the driveway to our house. They were floored by the response they got. The kids who came to their house weren't angry that there wasn't candy. They were uh, touched in their heart. They left their own candy for this child who had cancer. And this family posted it later to social media. They just said, we're blown away. These kids left the good stuff. I just love things like this because this is what our world needs. We need hearts that are full of love and generosity. That's what this Daring Faith campaign and the series that we're going into is all about. We're opening ourselves up to God and just trusting him and watching him bring miraculous things through our trust. So far in this series, we've just learned that trust and faith in God is so important to him. In fact, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Then two weeks ago, we saw where a little boy was willing to trust Jesus with his lunch of fish and bread, and the little he placed in Jesus' hands was able to feed over 5,000 people. And we come to realize that's how God works. When we trust him with the little bit that we have, he'll do extraordinary, even miraculous things to bless other people around us. Now, last week, I think this was a powerful message, and if you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and watch it. We've learned that God uses our imagination to fuel our faith, to help us dream of bigger things to ask God, because we realize that God can do so much more than we could even imagine ourselves. So we should trust him enough to ask, and that our imagination fuels our faith, and that's when we see God doing great and extraordinary things. Now, today, I want to talk to you and challenge you about the idea of giving your best to God, daring to give him everything you've got, There's a powerful set of verses in the Bible that really talk about this in a a memorable way. If you find your Bible and find 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll read it here together. And these words were written by the Apostle Paul to a church, and he's really challenging him and them. And he says, don't you realize in a race that everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to get a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So... I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. This is a powerful image. And what Paul is saying is we can learn a lot from professional athletes about how we should give it all for God. And there's several things here that that he's talking about. He uses the imagery of running, which I really like. Uh, I've done a lot of races, and I've seen a lot of new runners start at the front, and they sprint to start, and I just think, come on, this is a long race. It's longer than 50 yards, and they regret it, and if that's, if you've done that before, no shame for me. I probably did it when I was a young runner, too, but we need to realize that life is a marathon, not a sprint, and we want to uh, live in a way that we finish well, and God wants that for you. And, and as your pastor, I want that for you. I don't want you to quit halfway through the race. I don't want you to end up in a ditch. I want you to be able to get to the end of your life, the end of your run, and look back with pride, not regret. And I want you to be able to get the prize that he's talking about here, the eternal prize. So what does that look like? Let me give you three things about what it looks like to give God your best. I appreciate Rick Warren as he's fed my thoughts on this. Giving your best to God, first of all, means you have to be intentional about your life. There's a difference between intentional and just being happenstance. Just like there's a difference between a competitive golfer and a casual golfer. I don't know if you play golf or not. I've played a little bit, enough to know that I am not a committed golfer. I'm 
I am not in any way a competitive golfer, but the guys who are, man, and you know who you are, you men and women, you take it seriously. You're very much into the equipment. You're very much into bringing your, your score down and you get mad when you don't. And, and you take it, and I don't, and other people who are like me, when we go, you just go out to have fun, to hang out with some people, uh, talk, ride the golf cart, chase the ball around. It, it really doesn't matter to you because you just don't care. You're kind of casual about it. But Paul's saying, look, in life, you want to be that committed golfer. You want to be the one who takes it seriously. It's a difference between other, in another arena would be like the casual runner. And you've seen some of those if you've ever gone to a race and the truly committed professional runner. I'll give you a great example of that. Last year, the world watched elite racer Haley Carruthers collapse at the very finish line of the London Marathon. She was mere inches from the line, literally had to crawl across the finish line. Even so, she still set a personal record and she still did amazingly well. She's that elite runner who just gives it their all. And this is the key that we need to take away. If we're going to succeed in life, we have to have that level of drive, that level of determination, that level of focus, that level of intentionality. Because here's what I know. Great lives don't happen by accident. You don't just happen to have a wonderful life. It's not going to happen without effort. It's not going to happen. You're not going to become the best man or best woman that you could be just because you just accidentally wandered into it any more than you can just happen to become a great runner. There's some intentionality. It's the difference between being a casual Christian and a committed Christian. So you have to know what the win is if you're wanting to be a a strong Christian and what it takes to get there. I have a feeling that a whole lot of people just don't know what a great life looks like. And that's a lot of the problem. When you don't even know what you're working toward, you don't know when you're going to get there. You don't do anything that works towards it. And a lot of people end up chasing things that just they think will make them happy. And then they look back and they have a lot of regrets over what they've done or haven't done. And it doesn't have to be that way. And maybe that's your story. I know that everybody knows what it's like to drift, to to lose focus, to lack a purpose or meaning. But the sad thing about this is, and you know this, there has been a moment in your life where you have known what you were going to do and you were fully in and you know the thrill and the satisfaction of achieving something that you worked hard for, to know that you're truly doing what you were made to do. And that's the focus, that's the intentionality that God would like you to have in your life. I have a question for you. How serious are you about living the life that God truly has designed you to live? The verse said, you know how in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win? He's saying you should live your life in such a way that you know you are truly focused on what God has in mind for you, what he has in store for you. And there's such a sense of satisfaction that comes from that. And he says we're running for a prize. Okay, so what is that prize? What are we talking about here? There's another verse that Paul wrote, and it's in 1 Timothy. I'd like you to see this because it, it clarifies this for us. He said to a young pastor named Timothy that he had mentored, Timothy, you need to fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So this is what Paul was talking about over in Corinthians. But what does it mean when he says, Timothy, you made your profession of your faith in front of many witnesses? This is fascinating. I believe Paul is calling Timothy's mind back to the moment when he said yes to Jesus. Did he confess Jesus as Lord for the first time? When he went into the water and he was immersed in baptism and he said, Jesus is my Lord. 
And this is the thing that you maybe can look back to as well and say, I remember that moment when I gave my whole life to God and my whole life and my future changed when I said yes to Jesus. And if you haven't been immersed in baptism, that's your next step. You need to make a profession of faith that Jesus is Lord. You need to prove it and show it by your obedience to him and being baptized. I'm just saying, you need to get intentional about your life, about taking that next step closer to Jesus. So doing your best for God means, first of all, just that intentionality. Here's another key. It also means being disciplined in your choices. Doing your best for God means being disciplined in your choices, which is obviously what great athletes do. You know that. I know that. It's what the verse said. All athletes are disciplined in their training. Paul said later, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. In this regard, I just can't help but think of Olympic athletes and all that they give up in order to focus on that one thing, that gold medal. And you can imagine, too, and maybe you've done some training like this where you're getting up at, oh, dark 30 to go to a training center. You're constantly saying no to all these other things in life so you can just train for that one moment where you want to be the elite, the best in the world at something. You have to eat certain things and not eat other things. I remember at the 2016 Olympics, they, McDonald's provided free food for all the Olympians. And uh, at the Rio Olympics, Sao and Sarah Singe, uh, sorry if I butchered his name, lost in, on his contention for a gold medal. And he posted to social media his consolation meal after he had finally lost and when he was able to eat whatever he wanted. And this is his McDonald's meal. And I look at that and I go, challenge accepted. I want that. You know, everybody's going to McDonald's to get all the different meals. I want the Sao and Sarah Singe meal. <laughs> like, what, 8,000 calories? Here's the hard truth. Those athletes gave up huge portions of their life to potentially gain something that will fade away. In Paul's time, the Olympians were running for that, that wreath that they would wear on their head that would, you know, turn brown and go away. A gold medal will last a little bit longer, but really everything in this present world is fading away. It's not going to last. Paul says, that's fine as long as you know that's what you're in for and that's what you're working for. But you should also have that same level of discipline towards things that are eternal, that will last forever. Work for something that is going to really count and put your discipline towards that. Discipline means saying no to some things so that you can say yes to the best things. So I guess I'm asking you, what are those things in life that you're willing to say no to so that you can say yes to God's best for you? Are you willing to do without some comfort? Are we, you willing to say no to some things that are currently in your schedule so you can free up some time to be available for other people that God would want you to be in touch with? Are you willing to put the phone down, put the game down, to spend some time with God and to take up your Bible and take up some time in prayer? Are you willing to drop some things from your budget so that you can be more generous with God and other people? When you start asking God to help you write a better story with your life, this is where discipline comes in. You're going to need to start cutting some things. And I understand there may be a little bit of something in you that starts to feel like the, uh-oh. <laughs> you may not have a great track record when it comes to discipline. Um, if your story is like mine, maybe you feel like you have discipline for a while, and then it just goes away. And then you, it's, it becomes something you used to do. And, and I would just encourage you with this. Everybody has this experience. You need God. As Rick Warren says, you don't need willpower. You need God power because God can enable you to do what you need to do when you reach the end of your discipline and your willpower and you'll reach the finish line. And that's the last thing I want to point out here to you. You don't just need intentionality and you don't just need uh, discipline. You need focus. Giving your God your best means being focused on the ultimate good and the ultimate goal. 
athletes train for the win. They know what it is. They know that they're working for a time that's the fastest in the world or they want to be the strongest. They're going for that gold. They know what it is. That singular focus is what Paul is telling us. As a Christian, you need that singular focus towards God and what he wants for you. First of all, focus on that, and then everything else will work out. There's just something so powerful about knowing your purpose in life and knowing that you're right where God designed you to be. And it's something powerful about making hard choices now so that for the rest of your life, you know you've been situated in a place where you truly can be available to God's purpose. So let me ask you this. If there is this ultimate thing we're focusing on, what is the ultimate payoff? What's the gold medal for following Jesus and saying no to some things so you can say yes to other things? Well, at several levels. First of all, in the short term, you just get to see your life improve. Just being very candid with you, some people make their life a lot harder than it needs to be because when you choose to sin, you're choosing to suffer. When you go against God's will, he puts certain things off limits for a reason. So in the short term, when you just start focusing on God's way, some of the painful things in your life just go away. And you start to see that your life works better. In the short term, you also get to see people around you blessed as you become more open to God and you become more loving with other people. You know, the other thing that happens, and this is more of a longer term thing that, that happens, and this is part of the payoff, the, the person that you are becoming, and which somebody has asked the question, well, so when, when I become a Christian, what do I get out of it? Well, the answer is partly the person that you become, what does God get out of it? The same thing. The person you are becoming is what God designed you to be. It's kind of like when you're a parent and you suffer through all those sleepless nights when they're little, and then you endure the terrible twos and threes, and then you make it through the teen years. But why? Ultimately, if your hope is, if I do a good job of parenting this child, they'll turn into an adult I can actually stand to be around. (laughs) We can actually maybe have a friendship. So that's part of what the payoff is. But there's even a longer thing that we should be keeping in mind is our ultimate goal. It's the ultimate prize of salvation. This life is fading away. There is a life to come that is eternal. And God promises that if we're in Christ, we can be a part of that. You can live eternally in a real place with a real physical body. This is actually, this focus on that future is how Jesus was literally able to die for us. If you go over in the Bible to Hebrews, it describes this so well. Hebrews 12 says, let's run with endurance the race God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And because of the joy awaiting Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. What this verse is telling us is just like Jesus did, you can endure great pain. You can find the discipline you need when you keep that end goal in front of you. When you know that the payoff is worth it. Jesus kept in mind as he endured the the cruelty of the cross, the jeers, the scorn, the uh, inequity of it, the injustice of it, because he had the bigger picture in mind. He had our salvation, the restoration of everything that's broken in the world, and he just kept himself fixated on that, and he was able to endure that because of the joy that he saw in the future. You and I can learn from that and do the same thing. See, I, I know this, and I believe it down in the bottom of my heart, that this is telling us, accurately what our future holds. You may or may not agree with this, but I believe this is an accurate description of what the future holds for us, that there is a time coming, and it may be closer than we realize, when everything around us that we see will no longer be here, and the new age is coming, and I want you to be a part of that. I make no apology in asking you to give God your best, because I know when you do, 
the reward is far more than anything you will have given up. And your life will be so much more than anything that you would have had on your own. And I know this is a challenging message. I know this has been a challenging year for all of us. I saw somebody posted this meme up on social media. It was just all the babies born in 2020 are like, what in the world? This is a story that kids are going to be telling for the rest of their lives. (laughs) You've had a hard year. I've had a hard year. It's probably not my worst year, but it's definitely in the top five. I look at our elders and our leaders, and I've talked to so many of you, and I know this has been a very difficult year, and I don't make light of that. And I firmly keep that in my mind as I still ask you, invite you, challenge you, urge you to dare to give God your best. Because this challenging time is a time when we need the grace of God more than ever. And I want you to know this, and I really mean this. I don't want you to hear this message if you are personally hurting right now and I don't want you to think that I'm just telling you, well, you just need to suck it up. You just need to just, you know, quit worrying about it. Just, just come on, just give more. In no way do I want you to feel that. I want you to know that I care about you. I'm praying for you. And right now, if you need your church family to be there for you, we will be. Just reach out and ask. Now, I want you to think about this now. As hard as this year has been for you, you have the benefit of, of God's presence, uh, the Lordship of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's encouragement, your church family. We are surrounded by people in our community who are also perhaps having the worst year of their lives. They're struggling with finances. Their anxiety levels are through the roof. They don't know what to do next. They're about ready to give up. And they're doing all of that without God's presence, without an amazing church family. I can't stand the thought that we would just huddle up here and only think about ourselves and not care about all the people that God has placed us among that need desperately God in their lives. Our community and our world desperately need connection Christians who are willing to go ahead and say, in the hardest year I've had of my life, I'm still open to what God can do in me and through me to help other people. I just know that God wants to do some great things. Back when this pandemic first hit, I don't know if you remember me saying this to you or not, but I said, we need to come out of this strong because there's going to be a whole lot of people hurting and people who are open to God, and we need to be ready to reach out to them. I'm so proud of you because you have done that. You have been good neighbors You have been good friends to one another. You have prayed for one another. You've called each other. You have been generous with your contributions. Uh, You've been able to share hope. And I know that I've heard the stories about how you're sharing the hope of Jesus with other people. You've been staying on mission, and I'm so proud of you. In fact, as I said in the Daring Faith vision video, and if you haven't watched that, I'd encourage you to watch it. Um, So many people are coming to know the Lord because of what you're doing. And I'm so excited because I can sit and I can literally look in 2020 and say, I'm so thankful this church is here because so many people in the past were willing to go in and trust God and give them, give him their best so that the church could be here. You know, if you're newer here, you just need to know a little bit about our past. You're here in part because seven years ago, several committed connection Christians went all in on Cannonball and said, we need to buy property. Meeting in a movie theater is okay, but we need a place in our community that says we're going to put down deep roots and we're going to be available to our community 24-7. And they went all in and they did that. You're here also because six years ago, the Darden Prairie Church and Fizey Road looked around and said, there's a church meeting at the theater a mile from here that believes the way we do, has the same mission we do, has the same heart for our community. We need to partner up and merge together and work together. And so we did. You're here because four years ago, so many Connection Christians went in on the Rooted campaign to say, all right, we've got a place, but we need a building. 
And that was when we were able to build this building and expand these facilities. So many of you, and you know this, were here to put in sweat equity, and we tore things out, and we painted, and we went all in. Our building team put in countless hours figuring out the vision and the shape of our building. So if you're newer here, you just need to know that there are so many people who did this so that you could be here. Maybe you're here because someone cared enough just simply to invite you, to make sure that there was a church here for you to come to and a friend for you to meet when you came. We've come a long way. I know it's been hard, but it's been good. I love this story that God is writing for us. And I honestly look at this, and I understand in a year like 2020, it would be very tempting just to sit back and go, can we just like rest for a little bit? Can we just coast this out and maybe come back strong next year? I get why you would think that. In fact, just to be honest, and I'm not picking at anybody, many churches have chosen to do that. And sadly, many churches are also closing. And this race is too important for churches to just kind of step out and not be there. And we need to make the hard choices to not dwell in the past. Kind of like this commercial. Hey, what's up, Troy? Okay, that it? That'll do it. Excuse me. Hey, man. Huge fan, man. Oh, thank you. All the touchdowns and the wins and... Yeah, you know, I, I don't like to dwell on the past, but thank you. Yeah. I dwell on the past. I would too. I don't blame you. Okay. I love that commercial. Yeah, I dwell on the past. I would too. (laughs) Okay, we're good. You know, so many churches could choose to dwell in the past, to live on the glory days, but we're not going to be content to do that. Connection, I believe in you. We're going to dare to give God our best together. We're going to reach out to the community like never before. We're going to trust God because in a time like this, In a time where there's a global pandemic and a financial crisis and trouble political turmoil, what better time for God's power to be revealed than in these moments? God doesn't need the world to calm down so that he can do great things. All he needs are for Christians to trust him, to be available for him to use. Uh, God was going to do amazing things if we'll trust him. I'd like to hear you to hear from a Connection Christian family that has, in my opinion, dared to give God their best, and even times where it was really hard to do that. Why don't you listen to the Remleys? Our last three years have been very interesting. (laughs) And, I mean, with, with what we have, just the support we have at the church has really pulled us through I guess it was September of 2017. Lisa's mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer that spread to her skin and her brain. And so we, we knew there was gonna be a, a long road ahead with that. So at the end of the month, we said, you know, we're gonna go, we're gonna just get away for a few days and kind of mentally reset, get ready to, you know, to go into this, this journey. So we went out to Las Vegas for this big festival. That was October 1, 2017. So that was the, the shooting. So we were there, we were right up front. Um, closest fatalities were about 10 feet away from us. You know, so what was supposed to have been the, the mental reset, <laughs> it was a mental reset, all right, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, and then um, our business ha- had a big downturn. We, we lost our biggest contract that we had. The financial situation changed completely and, and we're still trying to dig out of that. In faith and thinking, you know, God will provide 
that has taken a whole different <laughs> meaning in the last three years. You know, God will provide and God does provide. As far as the small group goes, uh, that's a huge thing for me. You know, it's called small group, uh, life group. I like to call it save my life group. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there have been times where you know, we've had family tragedies happen, and they'll reach out and say, hey, we're praying for you, just out of the clear blue sky, hey, how's your mom? Hey, I know it's Wednesday, that's chemo day, did you get through today okay? Just little things like that when I know we're all busy, but when I get those text messages and I, or I see that and I know they're praying, um, I just, it makes me more aware and want to reach out to more people and do the same thing. So it's just like a, a a circle, like a, a domino effect, I guess, you know, and they do it to me. I'm like, oh yeah, and makes me want to be like that and just be better and and do that more. What I really like about uh, Connection now, it, it, it is all about the people. I mean, it's just a great community and everyone has everybody else back and, and they they play off of the strengths, you know, of everyone that's in the community, in the congregation, you know, like especially with our small group. It's, we know it doesn't matter time of day, night, whatever, if we needed something, you know, we could call and we'd have a dozen people at our doorstep, you know, in within 10 minutes probably. It takes a village to raise a child, you know, so this is my village. <laughs> you know, that's how I think of connection. And so, you know, as we pour our time, our finances, our heart, our soul and everything, I know again, as I mentioned before, everyone's going to love on us and they're going to love on our children and, you know, lead by example. So for me, I feel like it's just another, another whole bunch of set of parents and we're all comfortable here and, and we want to bring more people. I mean, that's what, you know, we still got family members we're working on diligently, you know, and we're excited about doing that. What God's taught us is, is by continuing to have faith, by continuing to be generous, even when things are really hard, you know, and you've completely had to change your lifestyle and how you live and the things that you do, still having that faith, still being generous with God and, and trusting Him, I think that's really what we've learned, especially, at least I have in the last three years. You know, I, I see people that are, that are afraid and afraid of death, afraid of life. I like that we're leading people here to not have the fear of either. I think you, you go out and you live your best life and you try to bring as many people to, to God and, and you know, through Christ. And if you do that, and if you know where you're going, you know, when it's all, all said and done, then there's no reason to fear either. And I just love that connection. We bring more people to that and that's our goal, is to bring as many people, you know, to Jesus, through to God through Jesus as possible. And, Let's look at how many people can we get, you know, to, to take that leap and, and to get baptized. I'm most excited about the future for Connection Christian Church, really for our children's ministry. Generations in our family, you know, have never went to church consistently, and we've kind of set that bar for our family. So generations to come, you know, that's what we'll see. So the children's ministry here has the potential to grow huge, and it's one of the things I'm most excited for here. We're loved here, and we love everyone here, and it's unconditional because they're always going to love us no matter what we go through or mistakes we make or things we say, and, and they just love on us, and we love them back. And I love that family. I love their story. I love that so many of you could tell similar stories of what God has done and is doing in you. I love that so many of you are getting ready to have a story like that. You know, if we step out in daring faith, if we start running this race with focus and determination, so many good things that God could do. If some of us just step forward in faith and start running, we're going to inspire other people to follow Jesus as well. But I want you to hear this. 
we don't want to just sit back and spectate. We don't want to consume and not contribute. And if you feel like, you know what, I just really don't want to do anything. I just want to be here for the ride. Maybe you shouldn't come because you're dragging the rest of us down. If you're hurting, we're here for you. But if you're just kind of watching and spectating, get in the game. We need you. God's doing some great things here. Will you dare to give God your best? Will you dare to trust him? And hey, if you're not a Christian, if you've not yet said yes to Jesus, the most intelligent thing you could do, the thing that will bring the most blessing to your life is today to trust him, to dare to give Jesus the leadership and lordship of your life. If you'll trust him, he'll forgive your sins. He'll give you a fresh start and a clean slate. And you can see so much hope for your future that was never there before. I guarantee you will never regret the decision to trust him and follow him. Maybe that's your step of daring faith, just to say, I'm in. I'm going to profess my faith in Jesus. I'm going to be baptized into him. That's what we're about. We love to help people do that. All of us have done that who are already followers of Jesus, and we want to help you take your next step towards him. Will you lean out in daring faith and be open to what God will do through you? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you've laid out this life that's amazing and we just need to have enough trust to, to lean into that. Will you help us to see those areas that we're holding back so we can be fully committed to you? Will you take up where our discipline leaves off and help us to find fulfillment of all the good intentions that we have that so many times just we fall short? Uh, will you convict us on those things that just don't belong in our lives anymore and just need to go away? Father, we trust you as a church that you've got great things in store for us. We're going to move forward with confidence that what you're calling us to is big, but it's not too big for you. In a time where so many things are up in the air and so many people are troubled and anxious and we don't know what's going to happen, we trust you because you do know what's going to happen. It's all under your control, and we absolutely believe that you're going to bring good out of everything. We're thankful for the life that you offer us through Jesus. We offer it ourselves to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.